Hi there, David Bissett here. As a full-time developer and someone who works on side projects and with post status and all the other things that I do professionally and for my family, I know how busy many of us can be. It's hard to stay on top of not only trends and topics in WordPress, but like the web in general. So in 2022, you're going to be hearing some episodes from PostStatus that are meant to be kind of like audio cliff notes to keep you up to speed on various industries that are related to WordPress and the web. Today's episode touches on a few things about accessibility with our special guest, Amber Hines. This episode is not meant to cover accessibility fully at all. In fact, we'll barely scratch the surface. We could literally talk about accessibility for hours, but that's not the point of this podcast. Amber and the rest of our guests in the future, though, will be covering some of the more important topics or trendy topics, things that have been in the news recently, along with sharing some great links to keep WordPress professionals like you and me in the know. If you are knowledgeable in a certain area and would like to keep PostStatus members up to date, feel free to reach out to us through our contact form at poststatus.com. And you might help us keep our post status members up to date in the form of a future podcast or news article. Before we go into our episode, though, let's talk about one great sponsor. And this week, it's iThemes. You've heard of iThemes. They take the guesswork out of building, maintaining, and securing your WordPress websites. They have professional plugins, and they've got great training that help you create and manage all your WordPress websites. They have security. They have backups. And they allow you to manage all your websites quickly and easily. You can master leading-edge WordPress skills to grow your business and make more money. Learn and grow with the experts at iThemes. Check them out at postedis.com slash iThemes. I was using super cheap, like, earbuds. And I think, like, something happened. And you know, well, we figured out later because I was on a Zoom call with someone and they're, like, the same thing. And I unplug them and all the feedback went away yes you but you threw them in the garbage I'm, yep and listen. i was like huh i will give these to my children because <laughs> they don't ever talk let's not so. let's yeah let's not talk about that because my kids have it's like the island of misfit toys but podcast equipment edition cherish well, this moment because when they get to be 13 14 they know when you're giving them crap well I've made some mistakes in my day with tech, but one mistake that hasn't been made today is getting to talk to you. So it was good to have you on. Well, thank, you. thank you very much for deciding to talk with me. And this is not the first time we've been together on a podcast. Um, uh, we, you were recently on one of our uh, news draft podcasts on post status yep. comments. So uh, if anybody wants to hear more of Amber, please feel free to look at that episode. If you haven't had the chance to listen to Amber before, Amber, tell us briefly um, about yourself. Yeah, so I am the CEO of Equalize Digital. We're a certified B corporation and we specialize in WordPress accessibility. So we are WordPress VIP partner. We do a lot of enterprise builds and we really got started in accessibility around 2016 when I started working for Colorado State University. And it was right around the same time that they were getting serious about accessibility. And the first website we did for them, there was like loosely did it, but there was no process. And then the second website, oh, this has to go to an accessibility committee. And so I really got forced to learn accessibility because it started getting audits. And so that was sort of when I started getting my, my feet wet with it. And then, um, since then we've had, you know, other government clients, large businesses where, you know, it's, 
it's a priority for them and not just a checkbox in part of the launch process. And, and I will say, I don't say that to imply that it is that way for CSU. Um, it's also a priority for them as well. Around like 2017, 2018 is when I really started like diving into it and learning a lot more about it. And um, Equalized Digital was a spinoff, launched that in 2020. And we have a plugin called Accessibility Checker. And I also organized the WordPress Accessibility Meetup, which is twice a month and super fun. Oh, yeah. I hear that it has a good turnout. Is that, um, how many of those accessibility meetups are there? Yeah. So actually, we are a permanently virtual meetup. We're actually one of two meetups in the official WordPress meetup program that are not city-based. The other one is a hosting meetup, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, hosting and security. And so we're always virtual and we always will be, even with COVID. We meet twice a month. It's on the first... Thursday in the morning for U.S. people, and then in third Monday in the evening for U.S. people. So we have kind of worldwide coverage, which is cool because we get people from all over the world who come to the meetups, and we can have anywhere from 30 to 70 attendees, which is really cool. And you talked about an accessibility checker, too, that your company does. Um, I think I've seen that before. There is a there's a free and a paid model there, right? Yep. Um, so... Accessibility Checker, you can find on WordPress.org, the free version, which scans unlimited posts and pages. It's not something that fixes your website, but what it does is it's, it's almost like we use the analogy a lot of it's like the Yoast for SEO. Oh, great. So now I'm going to get copyright notices now. Thanks a <laughs> oh. lot, Amber. <laughs> I know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I should go right in post status and ask, can I say this about my tool? Um, but it's a good analogy, right? Okay. It puts a box on your poster page edit screen that shows you the results of an accessibility scan. Not everything with accessibility can be identified with a scan, but we can get a lot of things. And it will help you to figure out what can be fixed uh, in your content or in the header, footer, sidebar of that page in order to... Um, make it more accessible. And it's great because it can be helpful with even post-launch of websites. So we really started it because our clients, we would build these websites, they were accessible, and then clients would start adding content and they would start Darn those clients pictures. adding content. And over time, it would become less and less accessible, which, you know, if you're in an industry, especially here in the U.S. where there's a lot of lawsuits, you can't really risk that. And so we wanted to create something that would help to educate clients as they're adding content, but it's now become a tool that as we're building, we use it. You can use it while you're developing locally because it doesn't connect to an API. Your site doesn't have to be live anywhere for it to be scanned by a third-party tool. It can run right on your local server um, and you can use it to test while you're developing. Um, And it works really well for collaborative testing and then remediation. Also, Um, Amber and I are talking today because a lot of WordPress professionals have so much on their plate to think about. Accessibility should be one of those things that they think about. But let's be honest, there's not enough hours in the day, dig deep into some aspects, or at least get the cliff notes or the highlights of what the accessibility 
trends are, what the, what's going on in the community. Normally, you would probably go to a WordPress meetup and hear a presentation about it. Amber, with her experience, is going to share with us kind of like the cliff notes. I don't know if that's a good phrase, but at least the highlights in the next 20 minutes or so. All of the links that we're about to share now and probably even more are going to be in the show notes. So, so feel free to follow along if you can. But Amber, you said something about lawsuits, and I know I've seen lawsuits in the news. So when we hear about the the lawsuits that are in the tech news now, what are the key things that we're taking away from those lawsuits? Yeah, so when we're talking lawsuits related to website accessibility, we're typically talking about the United States. It's very specific states in the U.S. where we see most of it, like California, New York, Florida. These are typically cases that are filed under the Americans with Disabilities Act, or in California, there's a law called the Unruh Civil Rights Act that references website accessibility. Basically, it's an individual who is unable to use the website with assistive technology. Frequently in these lawsuits, it is someone who is blind and they are using a screen reader to navigate the web. Sometimes there have been some pretty high profile cases also for against um, universities, for example, that have a lot of video content on the web that don't have captions or transcripts for podcasts, or they do have captions, but the captions are auto-generated and not corrected, and they have been sued because the auto-generated captions are so poor that um, no one can really understand what's happening in the video if they are deaf. So those are those are probably what we see as far as most lawsuits, but there are other ones where people have mobility issues, things like that. I always follow Usable Net, and we can post a link, but they put out a report twice a year about the status of lawsuits in the United States. Uh, they just released one at the end of December for what it looked like in 2021 a little bit over 4,000 lawsuits. But as a web developer, I think the way you have to think about this is getting a lawsuit dismissed doesn't mean that your client got their money back from their lawyers who had to work to do that, to get mm -hmm. it dismissed in the first place. Um, it also doesn't mean that there wasn't a headache with having to deal with that. So really we wanna be kind of proactive on the accessibility side. And then, and the other way I kind of look at lawsuits is I, I have a hard time completely being anti-lawsuits or upset about them because for better or for worse in the US, this is part of how our laws are made, right? We want, we bring a bunch of things to the courts and maybe that prompts our legislators to actually enact stricter laws. And, and that's sort of a problem in the US for for-profit businesses is we don't have really specific guidelines about what counts as an accessible website and what doesn't. If you're not an expert in this and you don't have the time to become an expert, what resources or what would you do as a WordPress professional building a site for someone to make sure, outside of probably hiring someone else, because it's probably a good idea, what would be some, maybe some initial homework that somebody could do or where they would go? Yeah. So I think, of course, going to the source is really important. Most laws around the world cite the web content accessibility guidelines. The current version for that is 2.2. Some laws are outdated and so they cite 2.1. But going there, and I'm gonna call this WCAG, W-C-A-G. Okay. Going to WCAG and actually reading the guidelines, it's like a long list, but each one is maybe a sentence. Um, and sort of familiarizing yourself with what it is and particularly what's at the double A level. So they'll be labeled with either 
A, AA, or AAA, and AA is generally what's considered the best practice. So other resources that I recommend, uh, International Association of Accessibility Professionals, and there are courses that you can take to prepare for. They have certification if you're interested in getting certified, which as a developer, if you have some certifications through them, that can really help you on the job hunt. So they have courses that will help you prep for that. And they also have ones that are focused on content creators or designers or things that are not necessarily just coders. Um, of course, our meetup is a great place to come. And our meetup actually counts as continuing ed credits for those certifications. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Uh, WP Accessibility Day is an annual conference that it should be in uh, November of this year. No, we just set the dates actually earlier today. We had an organizer meeting. It's going to be November 2nd and 3rd. Oh. It's a 24-hour conference. I love, um, I love hot breaking news. There you go. But I think like that's a good place to get started as far as learning. Once you're building a website, my recommendation is, um, of course, you can use tools like ours or there are browser-based tools. Axe by DQ is one that we like and recommend a lot. Um, Wave is one that a lot of people have heard of. I don't think it's as thorough, so I don't typically recommend it as a browser-based tool, but it's one that a lot of people use. Um, go to the front end of the website, or if you're a theme developer or a plugin developer, whatever page you have your piece of code on, mm -hmm. and try to interact with it fully without using a mouse. So use your arrow keys and your tab keys and the enter key in the space bar and see if you can do everything that you would want to do on that website. You know what I do is eat something with my right hand while I'm trying mm -hmm. to do something on a website or sometimes type something in. With just your left hand? So that's my own personal test. And it's not as easy on some sites as it is on others. I think the biggest thing too, if you're a developer, is brush up on HTML semantics. <laughs> is HTML like, have accessibility built in into it if you do HTML correctly? Yeah, this is probably one of the most common things we fix in plugins that are actionable elements that should really be buttons, meaning using a but an HTML button tag are just like a div or a span class. And then the plugin developer has written JavaScript that applies to that div or that span class in order to, let's say, move the slides in a carousel or open a modal in a chat window, mm -hmm. right? Or submit a form sometimes. Sometimes the submit button rather than being an input or a button is just a div or a span. The result then is that divs and spans are not focusable. So you can't even go to them with your keyboard. Like if you hit the tab key, it'll just jump right past that element. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they do an okay job of adding focus, but it doesn't, it can't actually be uh, interacted with, with an enter or a space bar, which is what we expect a button to do. Um, so really just like using a keyboard to test what you do is very helpful. And if you follow correct HTML, if you're like, well, if this is a button to go to the next slide, then I use a button tag. That gets you very close <laughs> to accessibility. It's when you start getting creative is when things go wrong. Yeah. It's, and then I don't but, mean. But I don't want to say that because that makes it sound like you can't be creative and yeah. be accessible. But yeah, there is a challenge, isn't there, between having these great design 
elements or these design trends and then, you know, thinking to yourself, am I about to do something that's just going to affect usability? Should I, or excuse me, accessibility? Should I stick, you know, how far do you, do you kind of go out on a ledge a little bit? And that's, it's a difficult path to walk, I think, sounds like. Yeah, I think, I will say, I've been noticing just in general, like design trends over the last like year or two, at least on major brands, I feel like there's been this shift away from some of the like crazy movement that we saw, a ton of parallax or things like flying or fading in. I I see a lot more like minimalism kind of happening, which can be helpful. Now, I wish that some of the, like, if you go on some of the theme <laughs> demos <laughs> that use certain page builders, you see all this crazy stuff flying in and I'm like, man, yeah, there's I wish a lot happening. Would get on it. But like, if you follow yeah. major brands, like I think a lot of that, you know, background videos were super hot several years ago and I hardly see those anymore on major Yeah, that's a trend. Right? Yeah. And, and so I do feel like some of the design trends have moved back towards things that are more accessible. But you know, the plus side of that too, is they're better on for speed and performance, which is super important for the fact that most of us have a huge chunk of our traffic coming from mobile devices. And then of course we all care about our search engine ranking. Um, so that's, what's kind of neat about accessibility that a lot of people don't realize is that when you focus on accessibility, you can actually increase the traffic to your website and increase or decrease your load times right? Which might decrease your bounce rate. Like a lot of things can be really helpful on accessibility beyond making it work for people of all abilities. Does dark mode help accessibility? Dark mode can. Yes. I think the thing that is really interesting, we actually just had a talk um, at our, one of our recent um, accessibility meetups was on the use of overlays and one component of overlays, or sometimes you don't use a full powered like JavaScript overlay, but there's a lot of plugins in WordPress that are like add a dark mode toggle <laughs> to the front end of the website. Um, and one of the conversation points there is that a lot of browsers and or operating systems themselves have dark mode options. And typically those dark mode options function better than a dark mode option that has been added to a website with a plugin or an overlay tool because the plugin or overlay might not always catch everything. Uh, so unless you've very specifically coded your dark mode option for your theme and your plugins and everything that is on your site, it might like miss some headings or miss placeholder text or miss, you know, and then you have, it's actually creates a readability problem for everyone if it gets turned on and it's not catching everything. So preferably um, you want people to probably code that into their own theme directly rather than try to grab a plugin to do it. Preferably, yes, if you want it. But I think going back to the fact that it exists on operating systems, a lot of people who know they need dark mode um, that have certain disabilities, like if you have glaucoma, some people with glaucoma white, like the FFF white really bothers them. Um, they probably know that and they have a filter turned on on their computer to always add a color yeah. overlay right to that so it won't bother them so the real question is is do people actually use that beyond us developers we're like oh it's so cool we go to a website you know like whitehouse.gov we all turned it on right when it launched we're like oh they have a dark mode let's go turn it on but like do real users use that on a daily basis 
I don't know, because the people with accessibilities probably have some other tool that does it for every website, not just this yeah. one. So they don't really need a tool that does it just on this one website. There's also um, a way in CSS that you can um, respect the system-wide preferences for dark mode as well. So you don't need a switch mm -hmm. on the website. It'll. Oh, I was just going to say on that mode, there's the same thing. There's a system preference for... Um, decreasing movement. And if you do add movement, which I'm like, don't do it. Don't make things fly in at all. No, but I, if you do, ooh. you want to make sure you code websites in a way that respects that as well. So I, I don't, I, I literally just want to spend a minute or two on this because I think I would be kicked if I, we didn't, you mentioned overlays a minute ago, we're going to drop some links in the show notes. So basically if, if something says um, we can fix your accessibility issues or add accessibility to your website with an overlay. That is a bad thing, no? And if so, what would you say for someone who has an existing site that might be tempted to use something like that? The biggest thing I think that website owners or developers need to be aware of is that having an overlay does not protect you from getting sued or even having to settle or losing your lawsuit. Um, the number that I saw was I want to say a, between like 12 and 15% of the lawsuits last year were websites that already had overlays, accessibility overlays on them. Mm. Um, and the big one that I mentioned when we did the post status draft was um, an e-commerce brand called iBobs and they had the Accessibi on it. And Accessibi is probably a good case in point for why I think a lot of accessibility professionals really don't like overlays because they promise more than they can really deliver. And so they say, we'll make, you know, install a single line of JavaScript, we'll make your website accessible in 24 to 48 hours. And part of me wonders if the overlay companies didn't promise that and they didn't promise we'll protect you from lawsuits if they wouldn't get so much negative press, if they were more like, we are part of the solution to being accessible. No, really, we are. Because there are some things that automated technology can fix. And um, a good example of that is Joe Dolson has the WP Accessibility plugin, which in some, in some sense of the word, acts sort of like an overlay. It uses JavaScript to add things, like add skip links to a theme that doesn't have skip links. He only does things he knows he can do right. And a lot of the bigger like SaaS based overlay solutions, they're promising that it will be 100% accessible, which is not realistic because there's just things that com computers cannot do and human beings have to make decisions about. Like even writing alt text, like you said, there are some cases where maybe it can get kind of close. And there's other cases where it just has no idea <laughs> and it writes something completely wrong or, or it's like factually correct, but contextually makes no sense about why that image was selected. And, and so that's really the thing about overlays is that, you know, they promise a lot more than they can deliver. And there's a great website that Carl Groves put together. Well, he's got two, he's got the overlay where he talks about all of their like false marketing that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the overlay fact sheet, which has come out of a ton of research he's done into like, what can they literally actually achieve and what can they not? And he's got a ton of like quotes and like tweets and stuff that he's in included from actual people with disabilities. And mo a lot of them say that they like some, I've heard some of them say that they block like accessibility and user way and some of these bigger plugins, their IP address 
so that the it won't load if they oh. go to a website with oh my. that. If you ask someone quickly to summarize what the accessibility overlays are, and if you're someone who's looking into it, probably in the middle of a site project that maybe accessibility probably wasn't given that much consideration of in the beginning, and there's a there's a hint for you, maybe do it in the beginning, then I guess look at these links and just be very, very careful and realize that slapping a solution on something is probably not going to solve all of your problems. Even the accessibility plugin, I, I think that accessibility plugin, the WPA-accessibility, I think it's fantastic. Ideally, you want to start fresh. So does that about summarize when it comes to overlays? Yeah, that pretty much summarizes it. Yeah, I think the only other thing on that that was really interesting that came out of the that particular lawsuit with the iBobs was iBobs came out with a statement afterwards. They've since removed accessibility, but they said part of accessibility's contract is they promise to help you if you get sued. And they reached out to accessibility multiple times and accessibility just <laughs> didn't even respond. I think if you have to put that in, in, in your contract clause, I think you've got other, you got other concerns. Um, let's, yeah. let's talk about very briefly to close things up here. Cause uh, we have, we've gone over lawsuits. We've gone over, um, Thing, you know, things particularly from those lawsuits we want to pay attention to, design trends and dark mode and overlays. There was a post about accessibility team's goals for WordPress 6.0. We're going to include the link in the show notes, so we don't have to cover it too much here. But what was the biggest thing that you think we should pay attention to in this? Accessibility team for CORE has, um, they actually put up a post and they're kind of going back to how they assess which bugs or um, accessibility issues to handle, and they are wanting to get feedback and input. So if you are someone who uses WordPress and has experienced accessibility issues, I would highly recommend going and checking out the post. They have a whole process for how you can submit, but they're, they're going to use user and community feedback in order to make, in order to prioritize their approach for 6.0. Okay, so you heard it here. This is this is something you may want to keep your eyes on, especially if you want to see what accessibility progress is being made forward. Would you say these are calls for contributions, calls for feedback? But definitely this is a blog post about like the future. At least we're looking ahead into the future. I think this is a definite, the transparency, the openness, or at least the acknowledgement that these are concerns. Um, you know, some, some things can be fixed faster or better than others ways. Probably it's a complex issue when you've got an ever evolving product and I'm looking forward to your analysis as well. And maybe in a couple of months we can touch base again and see um, how WordPress specifically is addressing accessibility after um, it releases five, nine this month. So great. Yeah, I'd love to. Yes, yes. She's just saying yes, just to get rid of me. We have a great <laughs> list of links here. Make sure to check them out in show notes. You gave your comments about general designs or in general design trends. There's also a link or two in there about design trends that um, you should probably think about from a usability perspective. I'll throw that in there. Yeah, as well. that that link is uh, from Bet Hannon's website. Um, one of her employees wrote it, and it's actually really thoughtful about the different design trends and how some of them impact accessibility. Um, it's a great blog post, relatively newly published. Oh, good, fresh, fresh news. Yes, and whenever mm -hmm. I see twenty twenty two in the uh, URL, that's a good sign. Uh, that's that's how they get you with the SEO <laughs> click. <laughs> I'm a sucker. And then we talked about accessibility overlays, and of course, the WordPress six blog post. Check that out as well. So that, in a nutshell, if you have been feeling a little bit guilty about not keeping up with accessibility news and trends, Amber just basically summed up 
probably all you need to know, at least for now. And then you, it's up to you now to dig in those show notes for those links and get further familiar. Amber, what would be a good place for people to follow you and any other big accessibility stuff on social media so they can continue being informed? Yeah, so we're just at Equalize Digital. We're on um, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn. And the best place to find out about the meetup is if you go to equalizedigital.com slash meetup, you can get recordings of all the past events and see what's coming up. Fantastic. Well, Amber, again, thank you very much for joining me here one-on-one to bring the WordPress community a little up to speed on some latest uh, accessibility trends and stuff. Yeah, thank you.